I'm Debbie. I'm Crystal. Welcome to DC Podcasts, the interview show about how to get politically and socially active. We interview activists and community organizers to learn what works for them, what mistakes they've made along the way, and what tips they have for activists who are looking to start their own groups or get politically engaged for the very first time. We finally have our first show under our belt, and we are very excited to share it with you. For our first guest, we had the pleasure of talking with Elaine Lowe, an actress in Los Angeles who started the letter-writing group Operation Checks and Balances. We were very lucky to have her on for many reasons, not the least of which is that she's incredibly smart and very insightful. And basically interviews herself. She really made it so easy to complete our first interview. Okay, so I'm still getting used to this whole hosting interview thing, so it was nice to have a history with her already. We worked together years ago on a play in LA, and we've been able to stay friends. Then this year, Debbie, I had the pleasure of introducing you two. Yes, I went to one of her meetings and even helped her with her group. We talk about that in this episode as well. We also talk with Elaine about her process and experiences while building Operation Checks and Balances over this past year, how it has affected her life and the lives of those in her group, and then we give four different ways that you can partake in what her group has to offer. Yes, we're calling those the Podcats Levels of Action, and if you go to our website, dcpodcats.com, you can learn more about them. Now, without further ado, we hope you enjoy our conversation with Elaine. Elaine, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us about your group, Operations Checks and Balances. I have been following your group on Facebook for the past year, and it has been really cool to see it thrive. So I'm very excited that you're here so you can talk to us about your experiences while building this group, where it is now, and where you see it going, and giving some advice to those that might want to build the same kind of group after they hear this. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. But I think the best way to start, Crystal, is let's just have Elaine explain a little bit about who you are, and, you know, before you became an activist, what is it that you were doing? Okay, so um, I am an actor, writer, director, person, (laughs) and um, that's what I was doing before becoming an activist. But I think I mentioned to you um, before that I, I always kind of considered myself active in that through my art, I try to invoke some sort of change, right? So a big fight for me has been about um, more representation in terms of, you know, racial and and gender-based stuff. Uh, as an Asian woman in this industry, it's definitely been tough to, quote, break through. And so I've always thought that if we just saw more Asian women on TV, it would make it easier for the next generation. And also, at the same time, kind of change attitudes of of the viewers without them even knowing that it's happening, you know? It's kind of like how Will and Grace sort of normalized gayness in a funny way. Um, Not that, you know, that's that's the only type of gay person out there, but that it was... um, you know, people who might not have gay friends had a little bit of access to a gay friend in that sense. Um, And so that's what I was doing before. And then um, I started my group Operation Checks and Balances after the election because it felt a little more dire, (laughs) like a little more like, ah, maybe TV and movies won't save us all. (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) So that's me in a nutshell. So would you say you were already kind of primed to get involved in activism or to be an activist because you're already viewing yourself as an activist? Not really. I mean, the a term my writing partner used is artivist, <laughs> that we use our art to be active, but it never really occurred to me to be active in any other sense. I had a family member who was like, you should run for office. And I was like, no, 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 no. That, I, that is something I do not want to do, you know? And um, yeah, no, I never really thought about it. I don't think I was primed to be active in the sense that I am now. So what made you so gung-ho about becoming an activist now? I mean, I can kind of assume, given some of the conversations we've had, but in your words, what would you say pushed you into becoming an activist Sure. Well, one, I've never cried about an election before. (laughs) I've had, you know, I've maybe had my opinions about things that didn't go my way, but I, I was physically like, I almost, I felt physically ill and I actually didn't even go to work or to like, I had a, like an acting class that night and I was just like, I, I can't, not today. Besides my own personal reaction, the, the, level of hate crimes kind of just skyrocketing in the days after the election really scared me. And they happened in areas that you wouldn't normally assume they would happen. First of all, we shouldn't have areas where we assume that hate crimes do happen, but they were spreading. And and it frightened me enough to the point where I was like, I feel like I have to do more than I'm doing right now. And I reached out, you know, through social media, just kind of like, who, el- who else feels this way? And uh, I had a lot of people respond. I think everyone had a surge of energy after the election. Both the good side and the bad side had that surge, <laughs> you know. That's how we started. So what is Operations Checks and Balances and what is it that you're trying to accomplish with it? Sure. So I, uh, we call ourselves a political advocacy group, meaning that we advocate for people to be more politically active. And so I can tell you our three goals that we started with. We decided to do a year-long letter-writing campaign to the Trump administration. Ooh, that's the first time I said his name. Uh, (laughs) um, But the interesting thing about this letter writing thing is that we are not writing all the letters ourselves. Actually, every day is a different person in this country, a different citizen writing a letter about how they feel. And they can write about anything they want. So we're not censoring them. And we're also not suggesting like, hey, you should write about this today. You know, our... I think of it like a gateway drug in that a lot of the people we're reaching out to have never been politically active before. And so if you're willing to sit down and spend 10 to 20 minutes writing a letter, you might be willing to do something else, you know? And so that's how I consider like this entry point. And it's been really cool to get people responding and saying, oh, this felt really good. Like, I'm so glad I did this. I feel better, you know? And we're not idiots. We know that writing a letter to the president has zero effect on policy, but that energy that comes from writing it is what will eventually have an effect on policy in terms of, you know, getting getting out and voting, first of all, 
but also maybe doing something else, maybe donating to a candidate or maybe like making phone calls. A lot of people in my group too, myself included, we've done a lot of firsts this year. And like people have gone to their first protests or done their first phone bank online or attended their first town hall. So, and that has happened with our letter writers as well. Um, so that's been a really cool part of it. And that's kind of like the, the core of Operation Checks and Balances um, is, is helping people, including ourselves, to become more politically active. I told you about the letter writing goal. Our other goals are um, we raise money each month for a different organization. So we've currently, I guess we've currently adopted a plan of every other month we switch between a charitable organization and a political one. Our goal, though, again, is not to just raise the money ourselves, but to reach out to other people. And so what we do is we each donate $5 and then try to get three other people to donate as well. Because a lot of times people won't donate $5 by themselves because they feel stupid. <laughs> like, oh, this doesn't matter. You know, they feel insignificant, I guess. I right. Say. Like, what is the $5 going to really do? Exactly. And so when they do it with us, though, if we hit our goal and we have every month we've hit our goal or exceeded it, except for one month where we were only $15 shy. But if they do it, we do we donate $300 together. And some months we even got up to a thousand, wow. depending. Yeah. So we've really donated quite a lot of money to different organizations throughout the year. And then our final one is doing particular actions uh, that have political consequence in some way. And so we have a person, thank God we have this person who is in charge of deciding on those actions. And that person is not me. Um, and so, <laughs> I mean, we do try to divvy the work up because it's too much for one person to do, but that's the whole point of the group, right? Like it's all too much for one person. Did you start it on your own? Like the actual idea of it? Or was it a group effort that kind of came up with it? I guess I'm like the de facto leader founder, but I didn't know what I wanted it to be really when I put out the call. So, so I do think we all kind of created it into what we wanted it to be. Um, at that first meeting, we decided on some particular goals. And so that's how it started. And, you know, there were some fits and, and starts in terms of like, how do we make this work? Um, we figured it out all together, I think. Tell us a bit about who makes up your group. So there's probably about 15 members of my group right now. There was some fluctuation. We had maybe a little bit more than 20 at some point, but for the most part, we've been fairly consistent. It's a group of people who I would say are generally from their late 20s to their 40s-ish or so, and all different ethnicities, you know, male, female. I will say we all tend to be on the left, but we do have some people who are slightly more centrist. And, you know, there was no, like, political requirement. <laughs> it just had to be, you know, that you felt that you wanted to change the way things seem to be going. Most of the people in my group are are Hollywood industry related simply because that's where I live um, and that's who I know in my circle. But we have some people who aren't involved uh, in the industry at all. And we have one person from Massachusetts who Skypes in. Oh, wow. That's cool. 
Yeah, um, she's she's my good friend from home, and so she she responded to to my call, I guess, and um, and we had some people actually join us from. I registered our group with Indivisible, and some people join us from that. Who so some people who weren't my friends already to begin with. Can we go back a little bit when you were? first posting on Facebook, because when you and I met, we had a very interesting conversation. And I think that you made some very interesting observations, some very smart observations about realizing that you needed to have specific actions that people could take or the group would fall apart. So I'm kind of curious when you first started posting on Facebook, what your idea was for the group then, and then how you came to this realization of we need to be more organized or formal in our actions because if we don't, then people are going to start drifting away. So can you talk a little bit about your initial reaction of wanting to start a group and then when it started to become more of a formal thing for you? I can try. Um, <laughs> the reason I'm, I'm not sure is I don't really remember the first post, like exactly what it said. And I know that the letter writing was something that I wanted to do kind of right away. That was my idea. And part of it was like, I wanted to show that we had the tenacity to hold on for that long, you know, and not just kind of get overwhelmed and give up. And so I think we always were goal oriented. At the first meeting, we kind of had a, I had this big whiteboard that I put up very, I'm, I'm also a teacher. So this, this went exactly to my strengths of let me organize, let me be the (laughs) anal one and you all do, you all do what I say. And so, um, so we had this, uh, whiteboard where we threw up ideas of, well, what are things that you would want to do in this group? And I have to be honest, I think I guided it a little bit (laughs) towards what I wanted to do. (laughs) But it was okay because everyone was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know. Here's some ideas, you know. And so I knew early on that I wanted it to be organized. Now, I didn't know that it would make a difference between staying in the group and, and, you know, having a group and not. But I... I'm very precious with my time because I'm striving to, you know, to do this career that's hard to be in. Plus I have another job, you know, plus I have a boyfriend and a dog and a thing and a blah and everyone's busy. Right. And so I knew that if we weren't doing something specific, then I didn't want to be in the group, never mind everyone else. And so, uh, yeah, we started from the very beginning, mostly just out of my own selfishness of time. (laughs) (laughs) No, you took charge like a boss, I think you need to say. (laughs) Yes, I will say that from now on. So at the first meeting, did you notice that there were some people that were more interested in being actively involved than those that were kind of sitting back? And then were you the one really driving this group or did other people start raising their hands saying, I want to help you actively either game plan what this group is going to do or to come up with the long-term goals of this group? Or again, was it just you sort of actively driving it? Uh, There were people who definitely had vocal ideas and there were also people who were like, I'll just sit and listen, (laughs) you know? And I think that's great. I think that's great. Every group needs both types of people, right? Um, Because if everyone's one, then nothing, then it's too much or too little. And we still have that mix right now, even though we're all very comfortable with each other. Like we all still have our particular personalities and how we like to interact in a group situation. Uh, I will say that I definitely, uh, 
drove it, but I wasn't alone. So for example, when we, when we decided on our three goals, I said, I think this is how we should do it. Like we should have committees and there should be a chair of the committee that is that person, you know, is the one driving that, right? Because I knew that I didn't want to drive the whole thing. And also that, you know, some of it interests me more than others, other parts of, of what we were doing, but also just my own expertise and my own dedication in terms of time and stuff like that. So we, we assigned committee chairs or people volunteered. So those were the people who were like, I'm willing to do this thing and kind of spearhead it. And it was tough at first. Like we were all just trying to figure out, we only meet once a month. And even though these were all people I knew, not all of them were like good friends. In fact, most of them are acquaintance friends, really, you know, and we've become friends through the group, but we didn't start that way. And so it wasn't like, hey, these are people that I see on a weekly basis. And whenever we just hang out, we can talk about this, you know, so it was a little, it was a little dicey at the beginning. And sometimes I had to be like, hey, why isn't your committee doing the thing you said you'd do? Like, why don't you guys set up a meeting? I have a friend who's in the group who is like, I love how you're totally willing to just call people out. <laughs> and I was like, um, yeah, I guess, I guess I am, you know, uh, politely and in support of what they're doing. But if they're not doing it, like, hey, we got to we got to fix this. Otherwise, we just shouldn't do it. So we kind of sorted that all out as it went. I think some committee chairs changed, some members came in, came out, you know, it wasn't for them and that's okay. I don't really hold any resentment towards it um, because I don't, I don't want anyone doing something they don't want to do, and, you know, and frankly, I'm not, I'm not actually their boss, even though I act like a boss. Um, and so, so I couldn't, you know, I couldn't enforce it even if I wanted to. And I, I, but that's not my goal either, right? Like I didn't start this group just to like, control people <laughs> so um so yeah so we've all figured out kind of how it works now that's 365 letters that you had committed to writing that's 365 people and if it's just acquaintances that you've kind of brought together that are now friends how do you find your letter writers that's been the hardest part we I don't know <laughs> I don't know <laughs> um at first there was that big surge of energy at the beginning of the year. So I was lucky where I had, I just posted something and I had so many responses and I scheduled them out through the year. So basically our group, each person would take a week. And then once we went through everyone in the group, it would repeat. So I think we all ended up with something like, you know, four or five weeks during the year that we were responsible for. Because to think of like switching it every day would just be crazy, right? But like every week, hey, you're responsible for seven letters this week. At the beginning, I got a lot of people on social media. And so I scheduled my five weeks like boom. And it was funny. I didn't know that it would be so important later because as energy waned and everyone was just like, I am too busy, there is too much, I hate it all and I'm sticking my fingers in my ears and I don't want to hear it anymore. I was like, oh, but remember when you said you would? <laughs> like <laughs> nine months ago? Um, so, so that's been pretty cool just to uh, have people commit early and then make them do it <laughs> later. <laughs> um, but also, you know, a lot of people 
have just volunteered knowing that we were looking for people and some some of our members in the group have had an easier time some have had a harder time um and we we actually just try to help each other out too so for example we had a week where um one of our members was like i've reached out to literally 200 people and i can't finish this week i'm i'm tapped out and so we you know we all banded together and tried to get more letters for him so you know some people have bigger circles of friends or more act or are more active in communities and some people are you know more have like huge families or whatever it is that like they get it they we get it done one way or the other it's actually been really neat to see like some people from my high school who I only sort of knew in high school or like we were like friendly but you know think back to like a a dude you knew in high school that like you've not talked to since then and then he agrees to write a letter for you. Like, that's really cool, you know, to have people get involved that way. So, yeah, people have come from all over the place. And we've tried to get a variety of people as much as possible because, you know, since we're all L.A.-based, a lot of us have similar opinions about the world and what should happen in it, <laughs> you know. But so we, we've been trying to reach out. Like, some of our members are from redder states or maybe purple states and you know reach out to friends and family there and um, you know to get a more representative view because it's not just a Trump bashing type of thing like that's not the point of it it's really to have kind of this time capsule of what are people worried about at this stage in the game you know like you were saying you wanted to make sure that it wasn't just people from LA who tend to be very liberal but were you reaching out consciously from the start to find those people that were maybe from a red state or a purple state? Or did it take you a couple of sessions to realize, oh, L.A. tends to skew very liberally? No, we were pretty conscious of it from the start. So I think, especially because a lot of people reached out to their family first, that it was it was actually kind of a easy goal to hit, at least, at least sort of. You know, like, it's not super diverse, but it's... It's fairly diverse, you know, and, and we did that from the beginning. Um, I should probably admit at this point that I actually hosted, do you call it, is that the lingo in your group? What do you call it when someone is responsible for a week? Oh, yeah. Um, you can call it hosting. <laughs> I don't okay. know. You just say it's, it's your letter week. <laughs> Got you. So I should admit at this point that you had reached out to me yes. to see if I would host a week and if I could find uh, letter writers for you. And I did do a week. I think that was back in... When did I do? Do you remember? I don't know, but I could look it up on my spreadsheet because that's how anal I am. <laughs> <laughs> I love a good Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. I want to say that it must have been around like May or June because you reached out to me and I'm one of those people who's like, I'm way too busy. I can't write a letter at this time. But then you reached out to my dad and he kind of covered me for that. Yes. Your dad, actually, I have to say, Crystal's dad wrote... I believe between five and six letters. Your dad went to town. <laughs> yeah, I remember that because I remember being like, oh, I feel really bad. Like, he doesn't need to do this because we can only use one anyway. You don't understand. He writes these letters almost every day on Facebook. So it's probably just almost a copy paste. I love it. Well, I'm thinking what we're going to do with these letters is make like a coffee table book at some time, at some point. Oh, that'd be and cool. um, your dad should just do it on his own. <laughs> like <laughs> words from my father. <laughs> no, I believe your dad would have like a three volume encyclopedia set at that point. <laughs> <laughs> 
But so when I was hosting my week, I had also started my own political group. And so I had reached out to some people in the group to say, hey, would you be willing to do these letters? And I had warned you from the start that I had very angry people in my group about the way that the election had gone and various issues that were going on. And I don't want to tell the story for you, but will you explain the story about the one letter that sparked the discussion about disclaimers? (laughs) Yes. So as I mentioned, we don't censor anyone because it is their opinion that they are sending. What we do is we post it online, but we also send it electronically via email to the White House and we send a hard copy, you know, by snail mail. Um, So those are the three ways it gets out. The person who was responsible for posting them online was reading all of them. And at one point he was just like, uh, I don't feel comfortable with this. And we had this really amazing discussion in my group. Like everyone got super feisty, right? Because, because we all have different opinions about what are, what are we trying to do? How should we do it? You know, like, does this turn people off from us or it doesn't make it better because we're not censoring, like we're not the government, you know? I mean, we had this crazy, crazy discussion and, uh, I believe the line, can I, do you want me to say the line, Debbie? Yeah, you can say the line. I mean, maybe let's not say his name cause I don't know if he wants to be sure. outed like that, but you could say the line. So the line, th- this was a very angry letter that ended with, it was directed to Trump and it ended with, I wish your mother never stopped aborting you or something like that. <laughs> I, I told mean, you my group was angry. <laughs> I, I mean, I read it and was like, whoa. Um, but that's how this person feels. You know, there is a lot of anger out there. And I feel that it's important, as I said, as a in a time capsule type of way to be like, look, people are feeling this. We can't deny it just because we don't like what's said, right? Our only rule, I should say, is that you could not threaten the president in any way, right? Like, let's not, let's not go to jail for treason. <laughs> um, Smart. <laughs> so so that, was, that was the only thing. And, and so we were like, is this a threat? Well, it's not really possible. So um, <laughs> I don't know. We'll let this one go, I guess. But so we decided at that time, um, we finally came up with some wording that's a little bit of a disclaimer. Like, these aren't our words, but we provide this platform free from censorship to show your words, you know, something something along those lines. And at first, I was like, well, why are we doing this now? We didn't do it earlier. Like, too late. You know, there's plenty of other letters that got written that are maybe like, not super tasteful, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was important. And that I think that was a great example, actually, of how our group dynamic works that just because I'm kind of the leader, I'm, I feel like this, I'm more the organizer, you know, um, but everyone's opinions really do count in this group. And, and it's, it's a good example of how differing opinions can work together. And like, isn't that at the end of the day, what government is about, you know, even in this like small microcosm, we can show, show how to work together. That's amazing. <laughs> It's pretty funny, though. So thank you. Thank you, Debbie, for for sparking that conversation. And also, though, for relieving us 
Because we were we, at that point, we were struggling. I think two people or so had dropped out of our group kind of suddenly, and and we didn't have their weeks covered, and everyone was feeling stressed. Like this is so hard. How do I do this? You know. So your group really stepped in and helped us. Oh, you're welcome. I mean, I actually wasn't that worried about getting letters because I knew my group had some strong emotions they wanted to express. I was worried about the type of letter that was going to come in. And when I started seeing them, I was like, oh boy. (laughs) And then I will say, or I will ask, um, I should say, is my group the only one that's actually done an illustration? Because someone actually did an illustration for you. Um, We had other pictures in different letters, but I think, I don't know if they were illustrated by the author themselves. It might have been like clip art or something like that, but... Yours was the first original art that I that I know of. Yeah, one of my, just to explain further, one of my uh, letter writers that I got for my week did an illustration of Trump and Kim Jong-un writing bombs down while Kim Jong-un is giving the middle finger to Trump. <laughs> because at the time, obviously, there was the whole Twitter battle going on between Trump and Kim Jong-un, and I believe it was around the day that uh, Kim Jong-un had called him a dotard. Yes, and then everyone on the internet looked up what that actually means. (laughs) Yes. Fantastic. How far into the year are we? We almost have 300 letters at this point, or over 300? It's over 300. I don't know the exact count. Again, I could look it up. Um, (laughs) Go to our Facebook and and find it. But uh, yeah, I know it's over 300, but I'm not sure where we are exactly. So you have a pretty wide sampling of letters to look at at this point. What would you say makes a good letter to your public or political representative, and what makes a bad letter? Um... I don't know. I mean, I feel I feel like a parent being like, there are no bad letters. I love you all equally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess some, some people, we said you could write any length letter you want, and some people took that very literally and wrote like two sentences, which is not ideal in terms of the, I think, like the, the point of it, you know? Um, but at the same time, they, they did what we asked, so okay, you know, so maybe that's my only complaint of a quote, bad letter, or I'm also, I'm, I'm very annoyed about bad grammar, but that's just me. (laughs) Because we don't correct them either. Because again, I feel like this is a snapshot of, of who we are. And so I'm, I'm, I don't edit them or no one edits them. You know, I guess a good letter, though, if someone listening wanted to write a letter, I would, I, what I tell people is to sit down and write from the heart, you know, and don't censor yourself. Like if, if it's important enough to think about for you, then it's probably important enough to write about and you can make it personal. You can make it a rant. You can make it funny. We've had some pretty funny letters. I will tell you that. Um, and, you know, but you really, it's, it's how you would like to express yourself at this moment in time. That's the important thing. And as I mentioned, like a paragraph or two is nice. (laughs) And then some people, we've had people write pages though, you know, so it's really, really up to the author. So you say it's like being a parent, you, uh, you couldn't really say if it was good or bad, but as a parent, which one would you say would be your favorite letter? Because you always have a favorite. <laughs> um, oh, God, I don't know. Uh, and I'm not trying to be cagey. I really don't know. I will say that for my sensibility, I gravitate towards the funny ones. There was one 
I think like at the very beginning, well, I guess I'm biased. My boyfriend wrote one that was, it was like, dear Trumpy or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> like just, I think he told him like, you need to get a journal because <laughs> you're angry, you know? Oh God. Oh yeah. And someone was like, I hear you need to have your people put your name into documents so that you'll keep paying attention. So I'm going to do the same thing. Trump, you know? <laughs> <laughs> smart <laughs> yeah and then one that wasn't funny it was like sadly funny but it I, it was written by a mental health professional and he was like I really think there are things going on here and he like listed the signs of dementia and the signs that he saw from like what happened what what he's actually observed in Trump and and I was like I, when I got it from him, I was like, haha, so true. He was like, no, like, not haha. This is so true, you know? Um, and it's frightening, and it's really frightening, but I, I am always kind of like, if you can't laugh through the fear and the tears, like, well, then you're already dead, you know? So we might as well laugh about it, but then do something about it, too. Can we ask what your letter was about? Well, my letter was the first one, I think. Um, or no, actually, I wrote, I wrote the group letter that was like, here's, here's what we're doing. Expect to get a letter from us every day this year. You know, um, it, will come from, it will come from a different person, but it's all from this group, you know, in, in that sense. And then I, I did write my own. You know, it's funny, now that I think about it, I think I, I said something like, I don't think you're actually racist. I think you're just pandering to a group that um, helped you get elected. And now I look back on that in terms of a snapshot in time, and I'm like, oh, no, I think you're actually racist. <laughs> like, <laughs> I take it back. I was wrong at that time. You know? So you're going to send them an amendment to the letter now? <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Has there been any correspondence back from the White House since you've sent these letters at all? Um, yes, but not a lot. And interesting, we actually just talked about this at our last meeting. We had a mom of a celebrity write a letter, but she didn't identify that way. Obviously, no one signs her name mom of a celebrity. Um, but that was one of the few letters that we got a response to. And I just wonder, I just wonder if, and this celebrity child is pretty active politically and I wonder if that had something to do with it. I have no idea. Was it a personal response from Trump that you got back? Or was it one of the generic cookie cutter responses that they put on letterhead? I mean, it was personally addressed to her, but it, you know, definitely was like, they were like, oh, we have an immigration letter. Here you go. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, so, you know, and a stamped signature type of thing, but it was personally addressed to her. Like, I understand why you would be worried about immigration, but let me tell you what we're worried about. And then it went into the letter. Um, my email is the one that is used to write to the White House. So now I get all the White House emails. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about anger management. I'm like, no, just go to spam. I don't want to see you. I can't. I can't even read what is being put out there. Has there been any sort of general consensus from your letter writers? Do they feel better after they've written, written their letter or have, have you ever talked about that? Yeah, a, a lot of us have gotten responses that say like, oh, I'm so glad I did this or like, I didn't want to, but now I feel better, you know? And also a lot of letter writers, like I said, have 
then done something else like, oh, and I donated to such and such or like, oh, this this prompted me when I was writing this, I decided to write to my representative too, you know? So I think overall it's been exactly what we wanted it to be, which is a, a first of all, positive cathartic experience, um, but also like that gateway into a little more action. How would you say starting this group has changed your life personally? It has changed my life in a couple ways, I guess. Uh, one is... I realize that I do have more tenacity than I thought as well. Like, it was really hard to do this, I have to say. And we're not done yet. But it was really hard just in terms of, um, you know, what, what do you do every day? Like, that's a hard thing. It's hard to maintain, right? Every day for a year. So that's been, it's been very inspiring to me, both as a personal, like, oh, I can do this, I've been the driver of this, and it's successful, but also from a sense of community, like, all of these people did it with me. I couldn't have done it by myself, you know, so all of the people in my group did it with me, and all of their letter writers did it with us, you know, and so that is really inspiring to me, and... I don't know, maybe I'll like write a script about it or something. (laughs) (laughs) Would you say you are now more politically active or politically engaged? Do you have any political aspirations beyond this group now? I still don't want to run for office. (laughs) Um, But definitely, you know, I mean, I I talked about kind of the first uh, that people went through, like their first town hall, their first protest or stuff like that. Like, this was a year of first for me as well. So I'm much more politically active. Like, I never went to town halls before. You know, we live in California. So I, I've always kind of been like, who cares? They're going to vote the right way, <laughs> you know? And you know, for the most part, they do. But I realized that really kind of wasn't enough. Because I, how do you... How do you talk to someone who has such strong beliefs on the other side if you're not informed, right? I will say I, I read a lot more than I ever used to in terms of political news. And sometimes it becomes a little bit of like a, a bad habit. <laughs> like maybe I just feel like being angry and so I read this thing. But overall, I do feel much more informed. So that makes me happy. So part of what we're trying to do here is to inspire others to create their own grassroots groups and create a place for people to come to for advice and learn how other people are building their communities. So for those that are starting out, what is something you know now that you wish you knew when you started? You need one leader. You need someone who's going to be willing to do the organizing and do the cheerleading and and the the pulling and you need like one space where you meet it's consistent and the meeting's going to happen no matter who shows up you know because trying to do it kind of like well what works for you but it just doesn't work with as soon as you get over two people that doesn't work <laughs> right and I, I wish I had known that a little bit earlier because I, I wish I had been more mentally prepared to end up being that person. Because I, I started to get a little resentful. Like, oh, I'm at this meeting every month. Well, of course I am because we hold it at my house. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> but I started to get mad. Like, well, if I have to be here, you have to be here. And that's not how it works. And I, and I would know that. I, I mean, I did know that, but I wouldn't have gotten so upset about it if I had set those goals early, like, hey, I'm going to have this meeting because it's important to me. 
no matter what. And whoever shows up, I'm happy that you're here as opposed to um, I'm mad that three people aren't here, even though eight people are, you know, like that doesn't, I wish I had known that earlier. So to save myself a little bit of angst and maybe a little bit of um, my skill of letting people know that I'm unhappy with them. (laughs) (laughs) How did you resolve those feelings of resentment or what was the realization you had that made you go, okay, this is the way it's going to be. And I need to be okay with that. Was there a moment? Well, I ate a lot of cupcakes. I don't remember any specific moment. I think it was a gradual, like, I'm angry, I'm angry, I'm angry. Oh, if I'm angry, it's because of me. It's not because of other people. I can't control other people's behavior, but I can control my own That's a good piece of advice right there. That's life advice. (laughs) (laughs) Through these um, shows that we're going to be doing and talking to a bunch of activists and group uh, organizers, community organizers, something that we're trying to discover, both Debbie and I, um, is a couple definitions of a few words that have kind of come up more often in the past year. One of them being, what is a citizen? What is community? And what is being an activist? So going through those three words, I would love to know from you how you personally define, especially through um, the group that you have just created, we can start with how would you define community? Community, I guess, based on the group, that community is the sense that other people believe in you and have your back and that you do the same for them. Yeah, I'm going with that final answer. (laughs) (laughs) Who would be your community then? Would you consider it that group? Would you consider it a larger force? You know, it's interesting since we're coming to the end of our year of letter writing, um, we've been thinking about, okay, well, what's the next goal? Like, what what should we do in in place of that? And we haven't really come up with anything. And, And I was like, well, if we're not doing that, like, do we even need to keep having these meetings and it's like, should we? I don't know. And and it was really awesome, actually, how everyone fought to say, yes, we should have these meetings. These meetings are not just about the letters and assigning who's next. Like, we could have done that by email anyway. And I think it was cool because I feel like I had been the cheerleader for such a long time, but I was down. Like, I was like, I don't know if I want to commit to another year of hosting these meetings, and, you know. I go through phases too, and it was really awesome to have that community rise up and be like, no, Elaine, you're still having these meetings. I want to have them. Like, have them, you know? And that was really special to me to to see how important it was to other people and that we have become better friends and not just, like, ran, random people who have a similar goal together. Like, it's it de- definitely feels much more than that. Okay. How would you define being an activist? So an activist, I mean, I, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is obviously the root of the word, which is being active. And, and that's the key. And I think something that I struggled with was how active do I have to be, like, to make it count? And it's kind of that same thing, like, is $5 enough? Yeah. Because if you don't do it, then they don't have $5. And so it's the same thing, I think, with activism. Like, you're an activist if you do something actively. And it doesn't matter that, like, let's say you don't like going to protest marches. It scares you. That's fine. Don't do it. 
you know? You can still be active making a donation. You can still be active when you see someone, you know, in your family saying something you don't agree with. You can you can kindly reach out and see if you can have a conversation, you know? Not, not a yelling, screaming, or Nazi sympathizer conversation, but just like... <laughs> Like a, a real conversation, that's being active and an activist. Um, so, I, yeah, I think just taking an action makes you an activist already. And if you don't, if you don't feel like it's enough, I, I would like to reassure you that it is. It's welcome. And if you can do more, great. Go for it. You know, we, we all probably can do more. I can do more. But if I only think about doing more, doing more, doing more, then I don't do anything because it's too scary and it's too time consuming and it's too overwhelming. This is more kind of a something that I've been trying to discover for a while, even before Trump became president. Of what does it actually mean to be a citizen of the country of which you reside? And this has now become a bigger conversation, I think, of especially with DACA being such a linchpin, I guess you could say, for the Democrats. And what does being a citizen mean to you? That's such a great question because that has definitely changed. Previously, I would have answered that a citizen is someone who has a passport, right? That, like, you can prove you're supposed to live here. Like, that's fine, but you're a citizen. Now, I would say a citizen is someone who has a responsibility to the society that they live in. I definitely took for granted the privilege I have of being a citizen of the United States. And I never took that responsibility quite so seriously before. You know, like, I always was like, yeah, I care, and I donate, and, you know, stuff like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, I do that, meh. Now I think of it so much more seriously. Like, I am lucky to live here. I am lucky to be able to say these opinions without fear of retaliation, you know, maybe there might be some people online who don't like what I have to say, but the government isn't going to come after me. And I feel I have a responsibility to speak out because I know a lot of people are scared. And I'm lucky that I'm, I don't have to be one of them, you know. Um, I've, never, I've never been afraid of saying my opinion, but more than that, like, I don't have to be afraid. You mentioned DACA, like, I don't have to be afraid that saying my opinion will get me deported. And so I do have a responsibility to speak for those who either cannot or, or don't want to speak for themselves for whatever reason. And so I think as a citizen, that's important. And, and you know what? I, I even feel as a citizen, it is my responsibility to have compassion for the people who disagree with me as well. I was reading this article just yesterday about um, the people who who voted for Trump against their own interests and who now are suffering, like the farmers, um, the small farmers, and and they're hurting. It's like the they're really hurting in terms of supporting them themselves, and because the Trump administration is is really loosening regulations for the big farming corporations, right? And so these small farmers are hurting. And I got some blowback again online. I hate that all my interaction is online, but, you know, that someone was like, well, fuck them. They did it to themselves. And to me, that is not a responsible citizen response. We need to go, okay, yeah, they did, but there was a reason they did. 
potentially because they didn't know better. But I know that people don't like to be looked at as like stupid or ignorant. So maybe maybe we need a different response, which is whatever for whatever reason, they believed what this man who is now president said, and he is not doing what he said he would do. Even if he did what he said he would do to these farmers, I would I would I would champion that, right? That like if I felt that it was helping people in need, no matter how much I dislike this man. Yeah, I guess that's my long answer to what is a citizen? It's someone who takes responsibility for the society they live in and has compassion for the people who disagree with them. I think that's a pretty great answer. Thank you. I came up with it right then. <laughs> if someone listening to this podcast really likes this idea of a letter writing campaign, what sort of advice would you give them to do something similar in their community? Oh, I think it would be so awesome if they did it since we're ending after the first year. <laughs> like maybe someone would like to take up the mantle of the second year. Um, <laughs> so if they wanted to do that, I would say our group, we were just talking about this, that it was really helpful to have an end date, right? That like, instead of being like, well, we're going to do a letter every day forever until he's gone. That's too much. I think it was really helpful to just be like, okay, we're committing to a year. This is how we're going to do it. This is the process. You know, we had a very organized process and we had one clear goal, which was to express our feelings to the administration. So if someone wanted to do a letter writing campaign, they could do something similar or they could do something else. Like maybe they prefer to write to their representative in Congress and get, you know, five people together. Maybe they write all the letters. Maybe they write a letter once a week as a group, whatever it is. I don't, I don't think it's important to say, oh, you have to do it this way, so much as to say, like, if you want a greater chance of success, have a clear goal, an end date, and one person who's leading the charge, but other people who are absolutely willing to step up when they need to. That's great. We're offering four different, I guess you could call it tiers or levels, because as we were saying, sometimes it's hard for people to remain active or find time and uh, whether it's writing a letter or spending $5. So for level one, we're calling it the, the one-click wonder. It's what's easily done on the computer. It doesn't take too much time. It is uh, really, it's just, you don't even have to leave your couch. And for your group, it seems like perhaps the letter might be something. Is there any other ideas that you think for that one tier? Um, I would say, yes, I'm going to use letter writing as the one-click wonder sit down, write it, you'll feel good. Excellent. And they can send it to your email should they write it? Yes, operationchecksandbalances at gmail.com. So for Tough Thumper, we're calling this a few hours a day of action out in the community. It's low commitment, but you're still out there. You're being active. It might take a day, might take two days. What would you consider to be the Tough Thumper tier for your group? Sure. So I have two different suggestions. Um, one is to actually just go to a town hall go out. It'll be a couple hours. You'll learn something interesting. You might meet some people and then you get to go home. And if it's boring, oh, well, you learn something. <laughs> um, so that's one. And the other is just to even go volunteer anywhere, you know? So with our donations, we do, we switch between political and charitable. And I think it circles back to what we're talking about as a citizen, like being responsible for our society. So if you don't want to quote, get political, which, you know, 
a lot of people say that and and I understand them to mean they don't want to fight with people. I really I really truly believe that's what it means. It doesn't mean I don't care. So if you don't want to fight with people, um, go go volunteer at a homeless shelter or an organization. Um, if you're in LA, I've worked with this organization called Big Sunday and they have different events every, I mean, practically every day of the week. So you can find something that you want to do that speaks to you. I, what I do with them is just once a year, I volunteer for Thanksgiving and I wear a turkey costume and I walk around and talk to people as a turkey. <laughs> and then our third tier would be the super soldier. That's a member of the group. It's being actively participating. Now you're mostly based in LA. You said that you had a friend that Skypes from across the country. Is this group open for new members or is it something that people should start creating their own groups? How does that work? We are totally open to new members. And the one thing that I would say is that come check it out and decide if you want to be a member or not. But once you decide, like make that commitment. That's the important thing I think is, is we need to know whether, whether you're really there or not. Now, again, that commitment might mean you can't come to some meetings, but like it's, you're still committed to being in the group as opposed to, uh, well, I'll see if I feel like going, you know? Um, I think that's important for any group that you decide to join, whether it's ours or something else. Um, so we're definitely open. And again, people can email. I would say if, if our group doesn't sound interesting or available to you based on location. There are so many groups um, registered on Indivisible, and that's where I would look too and see if something speaks to you. Elaine, are you also open to people emailing you for advice if they decide that they really like the structure that you've outlined here in this podcast and they want to do something similar? Are you open to them reaching out to you for advice? I'm totally open to that. Can't promise that I give good advice, but I'm totally <laughs> open. And then our final would be keep the change. And that's for people that want to dig into their pockets, whether they're finding actual coins or dollar bills or lint. So this is kind of twofold. It's who would you, it kind of folds into your, um, who you're donating to for your political group or charity, but also is there a way for people to be able to give to your group to help your group, whether it is to pay for stamps for the letters that you were sending by snail mail or whatever that is that you are finding for overhead. So clearly we need you to be the treasurer of our group, which is a <laughs> position that does not exist. Um, we don't need any money, but thank you. Um, I would much rather have it go to our, our donation partner this, this month, Flippable. Or um, if that doesn't speak to you, we have all the other uh, organizations that we did donate to over, over the course of the year. And so go pick one of those. Those are things that we've vetted and feel strongly about. Um, so people can check that out on our website. Yeah, I, I think, you know, for our group, what we did is we all agreed to pay our own way for the month, uh, sorry, the week that we're responsible for. And then within our group, we have the letter writing committee. And so those committee members, I didn't mention this earlier, we actually send Every month we send a packet of letters to five major newspapers and we just let them know what we're doing. Nobody has responded and that's okay because we're doing it anyway. Um, and so we do fund that ourselves. Each member of the letter writing committee is responsible for that cost. Um, but that's kind of like what we do to go into our pockets, you know. Um, so thank you for, for asking, but um, people should donate their money to to other causes. Well, thank you, Elaine, for coming on and giving us your insight. We really do appreciate it. This was so awesome, and I love that you guys are doing this. And 
if I can add one last thing, like I love that you guys figured out what you can give and what your talents are and what your time is and that this is what you came up with. And that's, that is the message I would want to leave on is that like, again, it doesn't matter what you do. It matters that you do. Oh, well, yeah. Thank you for coming on. Lane, thank you very, very much for your time. As you said, it's very special to you and I appreciate you giving us as much as you have tonight. So thank you very much. Well, thank you. This is awesome. Man, she is so interesting to talk to. Yeah, she really was the best. I'm so glad she was our first interviewee. And we hope you, the listener, enjoyed that as much as we did. Yeah, I'm really sad that we had to cut some of the conversation out. She had some really great comments about Facebook arguments and her experiences in Vietnam right after the election and what it meant to be a citizen overseas. And the fact that we caught you sleeping during the interview. Hey, that's not fair. (laughs) There were a few times that my internet completely shut off. I have never had that problem. And then all of a sudden, twice in one interview, it happened. Crystal... (laughs) Crystal's image froze in the screen and it looked like she'd fallen asleep while we were talking. Which I didn't. I laughed so hard at that point that Elaine had to stop in the middle of her incredibly thoughtful answer about what it means to be a citizen so that we could check to see if you were still awake or not. (laughs) I mean, in all fairness, I had just gotten in from a long day of shooting. I think I I woke up at 3 a.m. and I had to go to set the next day at 4 a.m. and we were recording this at 9 p.m. my time. So, but no, really, I would never have been able to fall asleep during that. Um, It just happened to be a very inopportune moment for my screen to freeze. Yay, technology. (laughs) I have a feeling as we learn how to podcast, as you're all learning how to be activists, that we're going to have a ton of content and a ton of embarrassing mistakes to justify a bloopers reel. Yep, probably. (laughs) (laughs) No, it really is a shame that her letter writing arm of her political activist group is coming to an end because she's just so insightful and she's just such a motivated activist. But if you're inspired by this letter writing campaign idea and you want to learn more about it, check out Elaine's website at Operation Checks and Balances and hopefully you too can implement a letter writing campaign, whether it's to the White House or to representatives in your own area. Or you can go to our website at www.dcpodcasts.com where you can find links to her pages notes about this podcast, and more information about our podcast's levels of action so that you can choose how much you want to participate. Also, please let us know what you like about the show, what you'd like to learn yourself, and any thoughts you'd like to share. This is a show about community, after all, so we do want to hear from you. And don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends about our show. All right, until next time.